السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا محمدا عبده ورسوله وصفيه من خلقه وحبيبه اللهم صلي وسلم على سيدنا محمد صلاة وسلام دائمين بدوام ملك الله وعلى آله وصحبه أما بعد فيا عباد الله أوصيكم ونفسي المذنبة بتقوى الله تعالى فإن الله تعالى قال في كتابه الكريم ومن يتق الله يجعل له مخرجا ويرزقه من حيث لا يحتسب ومن يتوكل على الله فهو حسبه فحسبنا الله ونعم الوكيل ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وبعد Dear brothers and sisters In the Holy Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى فَدَعُوهُ بِهَا 
He tells us, to Allah belongs the most beautiful names. So call upon Him with these names. And one of these divine names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Al-Haqq. ذَٰلِكَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْحَقِّ Al-Haqq is the truth. Al-Haqq is the real. The real whose existence is intrinsically necessary. Everything else besides Allah has a beginning, has an end, is in need, and has its existence owed to its creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, أَصْدَقُ كَرِمًا قَالَهَا he said, the most truthful statement that was ever said is the statements of the poet Labid. Indeed, everything besides Allah is batil, meaning it is not. It has beginning and end and deficiency and need. All else besides Allah has that reality. Only Allah is Al-Haqq, the ultimate reality. Allah is Sahib Al-Haqq, the one who possesses truth, the one who manifests truth, and He is also the truthful and the just. وَمَنْ أَصْدَقُ مِنَ اللَّهِ قِيلًا Who is more truthful than Allah in His statements. And we are taught by Allah Ta'ala and by his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa to seek the truth, to pursue the truth for truth's sake. As Muslims, we value the truth for the sake of truth. The messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught us to say, Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna attiba'a. O Allah, show us the truth as truth and enable us to follow it. This is a very powerful prophetic dua because the answer to the dua is not always going to be pretty if you sincerely say from your heart oh Allah show me the truth as the truth and enable me to follow it when that dua is answered you may be shown truth as truth that is quite bitter you may be shown truth that removes veils and exposes you to uncomfortable realities. But because we are Muslims who believe in truth and pursue truth for the sake of truth, we should value a painful truth over the comfort of sweet lies and delusions. If we have to choose between an uncomfortable truth, a painful truth, on the one hand, or comforting lies on the other, we should choose the painful and uncomfortable truth because truth has its own value because it is truth. Dear brothers and sisters, in our Islamic tradition, when we look across history, we see that one of the most widely studied and memorized and taught and one of the most commented upon books of Islamic theology is the book Al-Aqaidu al nasafiyyah 
by Imam Najmuddin Umar al-Nasafi rahimahullah. In this very famous book that has dozens upon dozens of commentaries and glosses and super commentaries, hawashi and the like, the very first thing Imam al-Nasafi says in his book on Islamic belief is the following. In the opening line to his book on Islamic beliefs, he says, The people of truth, they say, they affirm, The realities of things are affirmed as being real. And knowledge of them is verifiable as real. And the ulama spend pages upon pages explaining what that means. It's a very deep statement. But why would that great Imam begin his book on Islamic theology, Islamic beliefs, talking about things being real? It's because if we do not affirm that there is something called truth, and that we can arrive at that truth, then nothing else is worth saying. If we cannot affirm that there is such a thing called truth with a capital T, and that we have the ability to arrive at that truth, then why say anything at all? Dear brothers and sisters, three out of four Americans say that there is no such thing as absolute truth. In the modern world, truth with a capital T is treated like a fairy tale. The modern world tells us, this is my truth, that is your truth. Believe whatever you want. Do whatever is best for you. You do your thing, I'll do mine. As long as you don't hurt anyone, believe what you want to believe, it is your truth as long as you are tolerant. Because the most important thing is to be tolerant, no matter what you say, no matter what you believe. Don't dare say that anyone is actually wrong about anything. There's a term for this, dear brothers and sisters. This is called moral relativism. Moral relativism. It's all relative. You have your truth and I have mine. And the root of moral relativism is a very peculiar attitude towards knowledge itself, which is usually expressed in remarks that we hear in society, like, it all depends on how you look at it, or who's to say that that's right and this is wrong? Who gets to decide that that's moral and this is immoral? Or if it works for you, that's fine. Or simply just whatever, nothing matters. To the moral relativist, any attempt by anyone to privilege one truth over another truth is considered a patronizing power play and it is seen as disrespectful. How dare you say that you have truth and I don't? How dare you say that you believe with certainty that you're right and that I'm wrong? What gives you the right to say such a thing? That is moral relativism. The moral relativist shuns authority. They shun knowledge and rationality and certainty. The moral relativist would shrug 
at anyone claiming that they can know the truth. Because in their view, any claim to know truth is just a personal view. It's just vying for power. And everyone has their own perspective. Who are you to say that this one's wrong and that you're right? There's lots of examples of this in society and in the modern world. But I want to give you a very simple one that occurs, I would argue, every single day or every single week in the life of Muslims. Let's suppose your child comes home from school one day and they say, Mom, Dad, why are we Muslims? Why are we Muslims? Now you might reply, we are Muslims because the Qur'an tells us to be Muslims. And your child, son or daughter might reply, but my classmate Billy at school, he's a Christian and they have the Bible. And his parents tell, them, tell him that he's Christian because the Bible tells them to be Christian. So the Muslim parent might say, yes, however, the Qur'an is true. And then your son or daughter might say, hmm, well, that's interesting because Billy's parents say the same thing about the Bible. They say the Bible is true. So it seems to me that we're actually all the same and that no one's absolutely right or absolutely wrong. As a parent, how do you reply to this? this really basic confusion that may arise in the minds of young Muslims. How do you respond to that? You can't use circular arguments. And these are unanswered questions that put the seeds of doubt in the minds and hearts of young Muslims. So if we're all correct, if everyone has their equally valid perspective about truth with a capital T, then why be Muslim? <coughs> Why believe anything at all? If everything is relative, then why did the Prophet sacrifice so much? Why did the Sahaba lose their lives and their properties? Why did they sacrifice so much if everyone's right at the end of the day because there is no absolute truth and it's just a matter of perspective? Why bother believing or doing anything at all? one needs only to look at the hive mind in social media to see how moral relativism has seeped into the minds of many Muslims, including prominent Muslims who have massive platforms that reach young impressionable minds. Who are you to say? Who are you to judge? Are you the haram police? Dear brothers and sisters, we have to be real with ourselves. We have to look for truth and understand that you, your children, and everyone else here and outside of this masjid are bombarded daily with messaging, social media, commercials, advertising, movies, music, billboards, you name it, all pushing the same message which is that the only truth is your truth. I have mine and you have yours. You live your truth. You keep it real. Be yourself. My lifestyle is my truth. The most important thing is me asserting my identity 
because that's my truth. There is no objective morality. It's all a matter of perspective. These are the messages that seep into the minds through all of these media platforms. Moral relativism tells you that all the moral words, you should do this, you should not do this, that this is right, and this is wrong, they believe that all of these moral statements are incorrect. We are now living in an age where immorality isn't forbidden. What is forbidden is morality and saying that there is an objective truth. There are various entities in the world, various individuals and entities with lots of power, with nefarious and evil agendas who thrive off of our weakness and who bombard us with messages like this, messages of moral relativism. Because they do not like for people to have strongly held convictions, strongly held beliefs in objective morality and in transcendent authority. Dear brothers and sisters, this phenomenon of moral relativism, this false idea that there's no objective moral facts, holds absolutely no weight Islamically. And we should speak about it and expose it for what it is. It is nothing more than ibadatun nafs, the call to worship the ego and to abandon the commands of Allah and objective truth. We as Muslims believe in objective truth. Inna deena indallahi al-Islam. The only deen in the sight of Allah that is acceptable is Islam. But when this certainty in objective truth gets eroded and weakened and diluted over time, it leads to an erosion of our own religious practice. It leads to the erosion of the religious practice of other people as well, Muslims and non-Muslims. When objective truth is eroded and people begin to look at truth as relative, their religious practice diminishes. And the erosion of objective truth leads to a greater worship of one's own desires. And as this objective morality disappears in society, there comes in its place oppression, degeneracy, an increase in violence, an increase in lawlessness, and unrestrained vice. In short, the erosion of objective morality and taking a worldview of moral relativism corrupts individuals and families and societies and the world. This has been affirmed by our Creator, subhanahu wa ta'ala. He tells us in the Holy Quran, وَلَوْ اتَّبَعَ الْحَقُّ أَهْوَاءَهُمْ لَفَسَدَتِ السَّمَوَاتُ وَالْأَرْضُ وَمَنْ فِيهِنْ He says that had the truth followed their desires, the heavens, the earth, and all those in them would have certainly been corrupted and, and ruined. There is objective morality, dear brothers and sisters. There is such a thing as truth, haq, with a capital T. Someone might object, or they might retort and say, but there are different moral systems in the world. 
we go around the world, we see different religions, different ideologies, different political platforms. There are different ways of looking at the world. There are different conceptions of right and wrong. And they all can't be correct. So we have to find a way to be tolerant or else we will fall into dogmatism and tyranny. And to this we say that this should not be an issue for us as Muslims because we hold that there is no absolute authority except the creator of the heavens and the earth. And the creator of the heavens and the earth who decides what is moral and what is right and wrong, he instructs us on how to deal with competing moral claims and those who hold them. So we can hold to objective truth and believe that others may be wrong in that regard while also knowing how to treat people the right way without falling into tyranny or oppression. Moral relativism will never be a way for Muslims because Muslims have been gifted with a priceless gift, the gift of guidance from the revelation of the Qur'an and the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. And we close by asking Allah to always show us truth as truth and to enable us to follow it. We ask Allah to allow us to value the pursuit of truth and to show us things as they truly are. Allahumma arina al-ashya'a kamahiya. Oh Allah, show us things as they truly are. And we ask Him to remove from us the attitude of moral relativism and to give us conviction in our beliefs and in our morals. Ameen. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه كما يحب ربنا ويرضاه والصلاة والسلام الأتمان الأكملان متلازمان على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم وبعد Dear brothers and sisters We're talking about حق About truth About valuing truth And pursuing truth Seeking truth And affirming that there is such a thing as truth as Imam al-Nasafi said, We affirm that there is a thing called truth and that we have a way of discovering that truth. A part of valuing truth is speaking truth and seeking the truth about ourselves. Not just speaking truth about the external world, but also speaking truth and seeking truth about ourselves and seeing ourselves in an accurate light. Not seeing ourselves as we would like to see ourselves in wishful thinking and not looking at ourselves as the hero of our own movie, but seeing how we really are, searching for that reality to uncover everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that this is a value that we must have. He says, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu kunu qawwamina bil qisti shuhada'a lillah walaw ala anfusikum. O you who believe, be upright for justice as witnesses for Allah 
even if it's against your own selves. So we seek the truth even about the bad things, the bad habits, and character traits that we have inside of us. We have a hadith from Abu Dhar al-Ghifari radiallahu anhu. He says, Amarani Khalidi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam abi sabr. He says, my, my intimate friend, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, commanded me with seven things. And of those seven things, he says, Amarani an aqula bil haqqi wa in kana murra. He commanded me to speak the truth even if it's bitter. Wa in kana murra. Even if it is bitter. Because the reality is, the truth is often bitter. People shy away from the bitter truth. They shy away from the uncomfortable truth. But the problem, dear brothers and sisters, is that if we consistently run away from the truth, that will result in us having weakened character. If we betray ourselves by saying untrue things, we weaken ourselves. We betray ourselves when we say things that are untrue. We betray ourselves if we live a lie. And by doing that, we weaken our character. And if our character is consistently weakened over time by not pursuing truth, then when adversity comes and knocks us down, we will have nowhere to hide. We will not have the moral fortitude to get back up and face it head on. These days, many people talk about being authentic, being themselves, and keeping it real. These are all buzzwords and catchwords for people who want to conform to what they think it means. But the best way to be authentic, the best way to keep things real, is to be honest about ourselves. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Dear brothers and sisters, we value truth for the sake of truth. And it is a virtue to seek truth, to love truth, and to speak truth. And there are levels of speaking truth. We have in the statement of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, أَفْطَلُ جِهَادٍ كَرِمَةُ حَقٍ عِنْدَ سُلْطَانٍ جَائِرٍ The most virtuous jihad is uttering a truthful word in front of an oppressive ruler. So speaking truth to power is a great virtue. But it's also a great virtue to speak truth to our individual pains and our individual traumas. And we find that that is sometimes even harder. We have a hadith from the Prophet ﷺ in which he spoke truth to a person's pain in their time of pain. There was a woman in the time of the Prophet and she was suffering a great loss. Her son, her young son had died. And she was there attending to the burial of her young son, weeping and crying and wailing, raising her voice, going beyond the bounds of the Sharia. And the Prophet goes to her and tells her, Ittaqillahi wasbiri. Be mindful of Allah, fear Allah, and be patient. Hold yourself. Don't take it this far. 
But she was so overcome with her pain and grief that in the moment she did not recognize who it was saying this. And she said, not knowing that this is the Prophet you don't know what I'm going through. You can't possibly understand. After this, the Prophet went back. And after some time had passed, and she calmed down, some of the other ladies said to her, do you have any idea what you said and to whom you said it? That was the Prophet Alarmed and frightened, she rushed to go seek an audience with the Prophet And she says, Ya Rasulullah, Al-An, now I'm patient. I'm patient now. And to this the Prophet said, As-sabru inda sadmatul ula. Patience is when the adversity first strikes you. It's not after you've calmed down and gathered your thoughts. Sabr is when the calamity strikes at that very moment. But the part of this hadith we should reflect on, dear brothers and sisters, is how the Prophet spoke truth to pain. He didn't wait for her to regain her composure because she needed to hear that right then and right there. And others needed to hear it as well. And as the Prophet of Allah, it was not permissible for him to delay clarifying the truth when it was the time of need. What does this mean for us? It means that just as we have a duty to seek truth and speak truth, we have a duty to receive words of truth to us even if we're hurting, even if we're suffering. We have to reject this false idea that the only truth we will ever accept from anyone is a truth that comes sugar-coated and presented on a silver platter. We have to reject this false notion that if there's any discomfort in hearing a truth, it is the fault of the one speaking the truth and we're entitled to reject it. We're not entitled to reject it even if it is presented in perhaps a less than polite manner. Truth is still truth. Even if it's bitter. Dear brothers and sisters, this is from the hallmarks of prophetic character. So to seek truthfulness, to love truth, to pursue truth, even if it is uncomfortable, because it is better to embrace uncomfortable truth than to be satisfied with a pleasant sounding lie, a comfortable lie. This also means that we have to work to remove the cognitive dissonance that may come into our minds and hearts. To seek truth means to be congruent people. That what we believe and what we say and what we do is internally and externally all congruent. That there's no gaps in our life where we say what we don't really believe or we do things that contradict what we truly believe. And if we do things or say things that contradict our deeply held convictions, there should be some pain that arises in that moment. Because we all make mistakes. We all do things. We may say things at times that contradict our deeply held values as Muslims. But when that happens, some pain should arrive. Some discomfort should arise within our soul. 
because we sense that incongruence between what we believe and what we just said and what we just did. So when we do something or say something that goes against our deeply held conviction as Muslims, there are only two ways about it. There are only two ways people can handle that cognitive dissonance. They either adjust their words or fix their actions so they can once again find that congruency. So that what they say and do matches their convictions. That is called truthfulness. That is called sidq. So if we do something wrong, we seek forgiveness. We stop it. If we say something wrong, we correct ourselves and we seek Allah's forgiveness. We come back into congruence. That is the only option for the Muslim. The other option is the option of hypocrisy. That is the option of justifying our bad statements and actions by deceiving ourselves. This is the person who wants to do something that is haram, but doesn't want to feel bad about it. But because they feel bad about it, there is this incongruence, this cognitive dissonance. They want to get rid of that. But instead of repenting and stopping and becoming better, or at least trying, what they do is they try to justify the haram either by seeking out false anomalous shad views, fake fatwas to justify their actions, to make them feel better about themselves, or they try to recreate the deen itself, to make it fit into their image, into what agrees with their desires. This is a person who, instead of shaping themselves, seeking truth, they want to alter truth to agree with their desires. That is not an option for us, dear brothers and sisters. To have that congruence, if we have this cognitive dissonance between what we say and do and what we believe, we address it head on by saying, well, the truth is I messed up. The truth is I sinned. The truth is that's wrong and I shouldn't have done it. I won't justify it. I won't make excuses for myself. I won't try to change the religion to justify it. I will simply make tawbah, I will try my best, and I will bring my actions and statements back to that conviction I have as a Muslim. Dear brothers and sisters, that is the way to contentment. That is the way, the way to having peace of mind and heart. That is the way to tranquility. The Prophet ﷺ tells us in the hadith, Related by Sayyidina Hassan ibn Ali radiallahu anhumah Who said that I memorized from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa The following words Leave what makes you doubt For that which does not make you doubt Because truthfulness is contentment Tuma'nina And lying is uneasiness Riba We ask Allah ta'ala to make us people who value truth Who say truth who pursue truth. Oh Allah, make us people of haqq, people who value haqq, who seek the haqq. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan, warzuqna tiba'a, wa arina al-batila batilan, warzuqna ajtinaba. Allahumma arina al-ashya'a kama hiya. Allahumma ja'alna min ahl al-haqqi ya haqq. We ask Allah to show us truth as truth, and enable us to follow it, to show us things as they truly are, and to guide us to truth, and to give us all moral courage and certainty and to remove from all of us the weakness of doubt, 
the weakness of moral relativism and the uncritical embrace of false ideologies that lead us to ruin. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fi al-akhirati hasana wa qina adab al-nar. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin abdika wa rasulika al-nabiyyil ummi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallim tasliman kathira bi qadri azamati thatika fi kulli waqtin wahin. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wa salamun ala al-mursaleen wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Fuqumu ila salatim.